stepping back and stroking two. Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help and Embiid takes it right to the rack. What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is a Monday afternoon episode of the Feed to Embiid. I am, as always, your host, Austin Krell. I have a, a, a good buddy of mine. He is a fellow writer. He does great work for Liberty Ballers. Uh, Dave Early. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Thanks for coming on. So I, I'm looking here. You're the lead voice and associate editor at Liberty Ballers for, for SB Nation. Past byline, Sixers Wire. So that's where Kai Carlin is right now. At the yeah. NBA. Philly Mag, Fan-Sided, yep. Maxim, and now Nick Film School. That's so, right. Or no, no, formerly. I, I haven't written for them in a long time, although gotcha. I'm, I think they might take a submission. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, so you, you had yourself here, really a career of a 40-year-old, but there's no way you're 40. You're- <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still in my 30s, but um, I, I guess I've, uh, I've done some some contribute as many contributions as i could to to get like a sample i have some others that i that aren't as big big name but okay okay well so my question to you is this first off so are you from new york and you're a Sixers fan are you from philly and you're a knicks fan i'm not quite sure i'm born and raised in new york um i i moved to philly and i lived there for about five years and i was writing for Philly Mag, I was interning and writing and reporting for them. And, um, you know, I started listening to all the broadcasts and I got to interview Mark Zumoff. Okay. And I just started listening to him every day and I kind of wanted to do something in sports. I didn't really know if I wanted to be like a broadcaster per se, but I listened to him all the time and he won me over. And then the process was sort of like sealed the deal for my conversion because I was at peak disgust from growing up as a Knicks fan and seeing what had happened. Like at some point you just wanted them to sell the team so badly. Right. And then I saw the Sixers doing everything I wanted a team to always do. And I was like, why couldn't the Knicks just do this? Just go get, <laughs> go get a few of the best players at the top of the draft and let's go. Um, so it, it, it was a combination of living in Philly, Mark and Sam Hinkie's process. Okay. Okay. So, are, do, then are you with Liberty Ballers like full time? That's that's your that's your that's your job. It's not a full time job, but yeah, that's a that's a job. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So now that we've now, now that we've cleared up all curiosities <laughs> for me on my front, sure. Um, we're gonna dive into some to the Sixers here. Now sure. this is, we're we're gonna we're gonna start off with, and this is a bit of an odd question, so bear with me here. Okay. But if there's one thing about this team that just sort of annoys you if you will like you just you see it you don't get it um it's not something that necessarily is like the most like controversial thing or maybe even the most consequential thing but you just don't get it what would that be i would say um ben simmons usage half court usage um doc rivers has done such a great job and, and we can't knock it they're the one seed joel Embiid had on a per game basis an mvp season 
Uh, and he, you know, he restored Tobias Harris to the guy a lot of us thought we were getting when they traded for him. Um, but he has not had that same impact on Ben Simmons, or you can reverse it and say Ben Simmons hasn't had that uh, an impact that we know or we've seen at times under Doc. Um, he's had sort of an up and down season, and it was a big deal when Brett Brown left him in the dunker spot for like a whole series against Toronto. So much that it was talked about so much that people speculated that's why Jimmy Butler's not even here. Um, and that's essentially what he's doing now. He, he brings it up a lot of the time. He sets like a half-hearted pick for Seth or Toby, or he'll throw an entry pass to Joe, and then he'll just sort of fade harmlessly into his dunker spot. And he could go three quarters doing that. Obviously, he's going to get some in transition, but I don't understand the half-court usage of Ben Simmons this season, and it really annoys me. Okay. That's a, that's a good one. It's a really good one. Now, mine is something that has sort of arisen – in the second half of the season after the trade deadline, that's been the mixture of George Hill with Shake Milton mm. in, the, uh, in, in, in the second unit. Um, and this is sort of like, and this is where, where we're, we're going to get into the, you know, the topics that I sent you, but uh, George Hill, I, I, for some reason, I keep feeling like, Hey, this guy should be, should have the keys to, 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 to the car. He should be running the offense. He's a veteran point guard. He's, you know, he, he knows how to operate that position. He's actually a fairly uh, decent you know, playmaker. The offense seems to flow a little more naturally and a little more, you know, um, stable, stably, if you will. Yeah. With him on the court as the point guard. And yet, you know, they, they traded for him. They they didn't give up, a, a you know, a, a ransom for him, but they gave up, you know, Tony Bradley, who's having a nice season and. Now they're using him off ball with Shake, getting the lion's share of the on ball play, at least from my eye test. Um, however, cleaning the glass would say that isn't the case and would make me look dumb. Um, with cleaning the glass, actually, apparently George Hill has been way, way better as the off ball man than he has as the ball handler. Something that I wouldn't have, have, have guessed. He has played 88% of his of his minutes um, with the Sixers as the point guard. So it means the sample size of a point to shooting guard is a little bit, little bit, you know, unbalanced because he's dominating, you know, his usage at the hand, at the at the ball handler spot. But the team is averaging 108.4 points per hundred with him as the ball handler and 117.5 points per hundred with him as the off ball guard. So maybe I'm not seeing something. Maybe, maybe, maybe my eye test is flawed. Maybe I need glasses. What, what do you, what do you think of him as, as the, you know, splitting those duties with shake as the off guard versus the ball handler? Yeah. I've thought a lot about George also. Um, and I, I, I'm flummoxed a little bit at his usage as well. I actually, I think I came at it from an alternative perspective where traditionally he is a good off ball guard. And I, I kind of expected him to get a lot of run with Ben Simmons. Um, but he's gotten like almost none, which I find very weird. Mm -hmm. The, the one duo that doc really likes to stagger is Simmons and George Hill, which doesn't feel realistic to me if they were to win a, ma a massive playoff series. I'm not talking about like the Hornets. Uh, I'm talking about like if they were to knock off the Bucks or the Nets, 
I would think that you're going to need a steady diet of, of Hill and Simmons in a lineup together because for a lot of the reasons you're saying, Hill is really good. I mean, he he's a player that we expect to have a high impact. He's one of the few players who's always better when the playoff starts than he was in the regular season. Um, and he's such a, a veteran with a nice jump shot that with, with a very good wingspan that you want him out there for you know at least 20, 25 minutes, I would think. But why is he averaging like 3.5 minutes per game with Ben and like 14 with Dwight? I found that bizarre because in a lot of ways, he's the perfect complement to Simmons. We, we wanted Simmons to be able to play with a guy who is good on and off the ball for so long. And now we kind of have one and we're not doing that at all. It's weird. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think with, 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 with shake, like, I feel like it's been sensory overload with him a little bit this year. Just there's a lot of stimulation going on on the court, a lot of a lot of decisions for him to make with the ball in his hand, and just be handed the keys and and just be told it's free reign. You do what you you know just do what you got to do and make plays. It's been a lot for him to handle in 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 his first real year in the rotation where he's where you know there's a, there's at least a scouting report on him, um, and. You know he, he's he's starting to figure things out, but I think that's why we've seen such up and down play from him as a, as a scorer and as a you know as, as a shooter uh, this, this season. In his, you know, granted he's had injuries, he's had this, he's had that, he's been in and out of the lineup a little bit, so he hasn't really had time to really find uh, you know a great great consistent rhythm and start to hum with the offense. But I, I I feel like with with especially with this team with Tobias and with Matisse and Maxi to some extent. Um, Doc has been like so big on just the straight line drive play. I would think that with a guy like George Hill there, they would love to get Shake back to that just catch and shoot or catch and go off the dribble, like they have with Tobias. That and they've really gotten Tobias back to where he uh, was in the Clippers from a statistical standpoint. But yeah, you make a great point about the the the, the, the lineup with Simmons. I don't know that I believe that the closing lineup is just going to be the starters. My, my gut tells me that for ter- in terms of not having to go defense, offense, subbing every other possession and in, in, in down the stretch of games that you would want to have George Hill there. Um, but I think there is some pause for concern with that. Cause I feel like Hill has been hesitant to shoot the ball. I thought until, up until last night, it was kind of like, well, wait, what is something missing here? There's something not right with him. Maybe it's the thumb. Maybe it's not. What do you think of that closing lineup with Hill? Yeah, I think if you like, I, we've seen it once or twice in some of these games that we thought would be routes, and then they turned really ugly. I forget if it was the Spurs or the Pelicans or both, where Doc did insert George Hill at the end of the game, and I was like, you know, this is what we expected when we got Hill. Why, why are we not seeing that more? Of course, you're going to have to put George Hill in for a massive moment. Um, so you would think you'd want to get acclimated to that a little bit more than they have. Because I don't know if it's going to be Seth, I don't know if it's going to be Danny, but you, you could kind of feel like he'll be he'll be burrowing into either one of their minutes if either is not um, great in a particular game or situation. Um, I think having George Hill's ability to run a pick and roll or be a ball a secondary ball handler is useful. Um, one of my biggest concerns going into the year, which has been in a lot of ways like quelled by their ridiculous plus minus of the the starting unit but I was worried that 
they were going to need someone like Levine or Lowry to mm-hmm. initiate. Um, they've gotten by by just posting up Joel, and it's it's worked all year. I didn't know that it would. Like he never had this level of of mid range before. Um, so they've kind of skirted what typically finalist contenders have is someone to be a primary initiator in the half court. But you'd think George Hill might unlock that to another level um, if given the chance. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, and you know, I think it's like interesting with the whole um, the whole secondary ball handler thing because really what that sort of invites is more Simmons pick and roll and then dive uh, play that I think in short spurts, especially with a guy of his pre- of his playmaking prowess where he can just read a defense and kick the shooters out of the short roll it is so critical that you have a point guard that can make those passes over the top of defenses um, who are you know, scheming, who can actively you know, adjust to what they're showing on the fly and then find Simmons on that short roll. Because once you have him in the middle of the lane, it's either going to be a dunk from him or with, with him, you never know. It could be a layup, um, but it should be a dunk with him um, or a kick to, to a shooter like Danny Green in the corner, who, by the way, has just dominated the corner three-point shooting mm. in the league this year. I think he's a mo- I think he's like top of the league in attempts and made and, you know, and, and whatnot. But I think having that secondary ball handler that is wise enough to, to know when to make the play, to know when to know where to make the pass, to know how to read a defense on the fly is so, so critical to unlocking Ben in the half courts. So that way they can't just wall him off or just sag off of him so much. I mean, and they, they can sag off of him still because they don't, they don't have the threat of him, you know, rising for a mid range uh, shot, but that's still going to let him get, get it close to the basket enough where some, where a defense is inevitably going to help a little bit too much. And that's going to free somebody up for a look. Um, now there is another guard on the team that has seemingly stolen, stolen the hearts of the fan base, which I can't, I can't say I blame people for loving Tyrese Maxey. I definitely think he's a, I think he's going to be a really nice player in this league. Um, and I think he was a great pick by Daryl Morey uh, to get him at 21. He fell right into their laps. Now, typically they'll take a guy that can't shoot because under previous management, it was, are you a six eleven and bigger? And can you shoot? And if the answer was, was no to the latter or no to the, no to the latter and yes to the former, it was, well, that's it. We're taking, we're gonna take a guy who can't shoot. We're gonna try to make him shoot. And then that's that. <laughs> yep. Um, but with, with Tyrese Maxey, you know, it's been up and down for him, his playing time this year. I think he's been a guy who, if you look real closely, there have been up and down moments, but from a very far away, if you, if you squint your eyes a little bit, you see a guy there that's just incredible speed, a uh, nice handle, can shoot a little bit off the dribble. Um, I, you know, it, it was so cool for Sixers fans to see a guy that could actually take and make floaters because they hadn't seen that in forever. Uh, clearly that's not what Doc wanted. He said it last night. Like, we got him away from the floaters um, and just told him to get to the rim, get fouled. Um, I'm curious, do you think that Tyrese is going to get minutes in the playoffs? I I do. Um, I, I think Doc has even said, like, I'm not scared to use a 10-man rotation in the playoffs. And I think he said that in, in part because Maxi has sort of come on lately since the All-Star break. He has found ways to get to the line. I think he like doubled his free throw rate um, getting away from those floaters a little bit. They're still pretty. He's got a lot of those, like not to make a a ridiculous comp, but he plays in the style of like a Tony Parker 
And then sometimes like a Steve Nash where he's got those off foot, wrong foot finishes, off timed finishes. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to be anything like them, but you could tell that he's maybe modeled his game after some of those smaller, quicker point guards with, with a lot of crafty finishes. So I do think he'll get some run. His jumper looks better and better to me. Uh, I think he's, he's got the makings of a pull-up shooter and a spot-up shooter at this point. Um, I don't think that when there's like a critical juncture of the second half that we're going to see him, um, you know, unless we're talking about like you're up one nothing on the Knicks and it's the third quarter, I could see them going to him there. But if you had to steal a game on the road, I just get the sense that Doc's going to go with guys he trusts a little bit more. Yeah, I, I would agree. I was, I mean, granted, it's the Orlando Magic, and you know, they're they're nothing to you know that, that you can laugh at them if you want. I mean, uh, it's, it's it was that bad. But I I thought he, I was I took I took away like I was really impressed with his. Just man to man defense on Cole Anthony. I thought he was disciplined on his feet. Uh, his low center of gravity is a huge asset to him. I think. Who, who are you more impressed by yesterday, the Celtics G League unit or the Sixers G League unit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, I got to hand it to the Celtics. They 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 did they they did hold together for as long as they could, and ultimately you know the Knicks had to sweat a little bit. But you know the. That's that Sixers team. I, I thought that starting unit was going to blitz Orlando, and to their credit, they kind of opened it up quickly. But um, I've, you know, I, I've I've generally been very impressed and very sort of, I guess, encouraged by what I've seen out of, out of the, the quote unquote G League guys that you mentioned. Um, like Paul Reed, I think is going to be awesome. Whether I don't, I don't know that he's going to be an All Star, but I think he's he's a really nice diamond in the rough type pick. Um, Isaiah, we'll we'll see. I think his defensive his defensive like positioning and help is is underrated. Um, people people think the charges just like you know they happen to be the right place at the right time. Like no, you you position yourself actively and anticipate charges a lot of the time. Can I can I just say I I hate that play. Like I watched him take that amazing charge yesterday. Yeah. But his his head and neck was so close to like the knee of the guy he fell into. That you remember the movie Million Dollar Baby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm terrified. Bad. Like one oh, day yeah. someone is going to kill themselves trying to take these charges in the middle of the paint, and I don't understand why the the NBA allows that. And also the one where you you position yourself while the guy's already in the air. I, these yeah. plays are just so insane. You see like 20 year olds trying to make them. It's like, oh, stop this. Yeah. I, I took one charge of my life and I got up like I had just like I, I, I ran back on offense. I thought I just scored a point. It was great. I, I, <laughs> and, and I, I was like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Just, this is how I make it in the NBA. Just take charges all day, every day. I, my um, high school coach used to teach us how to do it. And he was like, you, you grab a pair, you know, you grab your grab your bleeps and uh, and just fall back. And I was like. I don't think I'm ever going to do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I ever actually drew one. I just, I took the hack. I didn't get enough playing time to foul out anyway. So that's right. Like, I, I would, we, we would line up and basically run into each other and take charges. And it was just sort of like, well, this is a, this is really just more of an escapade to, to just get us beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> Definitely felt like I was going to get a concussion if I did it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I, I think the league would be best suited from, a, from both a, uh, a player health standpoint and also by a, by a, by a result, a, uh, a legal standpoint, if they did something to mitigate the, the potential for those plays. Yeah. Uh, 
but but credit to Joe. He he took great charge, and that's a veteran play. For sure, for sure. But I I, I would agree that I think Maxi's role is going to be very situational. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think if 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 you make it so that way he's the spark plug, you're kind of inherently giving him a little bit of a, a more like pressure kind of role because you're basically charging him with we need you to get us back on track here because we, we got nothing. And that's, and that's, that, that could be a lot for a rookie point guard to handle. But I do agree with you. Like the, those situations where if it's the middle of the third quarter, the Sixers are down by six to the Knicks or the Hawks or the, or the Charlotte Hornets. And they're up one Oh, in the series already throw Maxi in there. Cause you know, he, he, he can tie a game up by himself and get the fans back in it. And then everyone wakes up. Um, so I, I do agree with you. Um, do you think that he's going to be here next year? Tyrese? Yeah. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that the safest ch- choice is always to say yes, because no one single trade is ever like likely to happen. Right. Um, I do think he'd be on the table. I think Tobias Harris, I think Ben Simmons, I think the whole team except Joel Embiid could be on the table in the right deal, um, given, given Daryl Moore's track record and, and openness to – probably talk to any GM in the league. Um, so I don't think he would put a, an untouchable on anyone except Joel. And, and even then, if, if someone said, we'll offer you Giannis and Middleton, you'd have to think about that. Probably do it. Um, yeah, it's a good point. If, 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 if the Bucks did that, I, I would think like John Horace gets drug tested. Never. <laughs> never do it. I'm just saying like, I think Daryl Moore is the kind of guy who would just say, I will listen to anything anyone has to say. Yeah, it's, you're doing your job. You're evaluating all options. Yeah. That's, that, that's, the, that's the name of the, of the job. I would venture to say that he probably won't be here next year. Yeah. You think they'll try to bring in someone like a big yeah. name? I, I've hinted at it. My, my sense is that they're going to try to bring in like a Levine or a sign and trade to get Lowry. Or whatever, or you know, something along those lines. I think at the very least, he'll be floated in a lot of rumors all all throughout the summer until something either does or just doesn't happen. If they could get Levine with a package sent around Maxi, they have to do. I mean, that would be really exciting for this for a team who got the one seed without him. Um, I do think he's made the conversation about that Lowry trade more interesting with his elevated play. Oh yeah, I I don't know that I would trade maxi plus other assets for for lowry at the moment like lowry is a great one to two year player like realistically you, you, if you trade for kyle lowry you're basically saying we need to win a, ch- a title in the next two years and right. that is if they don't win one this year which at this point all bets are off i mean and a lot of people would say they do given joel Embiid's age right yeah no it's it's it's, it's a valid point um i just think that there's like a potential for maxi like, let's like, let's say that he really is Jamal Murray, you know, junior reincarnated or whatever. Um, Jamal Murray's not dead, but you just killed him and brought him back. Yeah, no, me, me and Zach Lowe are just killing off Jamal Murray here in, in, on our respective podcasts. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I would venture to say he would be a, a, a starting point guard for this team in a, a year, two year time, whether that means Ben's gone or Ben's been, you know, moved to a different spot on the court, whatever. I, I think he's. I think he certainly has that ceiling that people salivate over at, out of the point guard spot in the modern day. Um, but this summer is a big summer for for him uh, in terms of his future here. So we'll see there. Um, but the Sixers have a really, 
I don't want to say easy because I've learned to, I've learned to take nothing for granted in this league. Um, but they have a very favorable path to get out of out of the first round. It's going to be Boston, Charlotte, Washington, or Indiana. They are, I believe, um, let's see, three and zero against the Knicks, three and zero against Charlotte, two and one against um, Indiana. So that's eight and one. That's eleven and one. Eleven and one on the season against his four teams in the play-in play spots. Um, is there anyone in those playing games that gives you that gives you some sort of fear? Uh, yeah, I'm one of those fans. Do you ever follow like Bill Parcells? He would talk about what it was like working with Bill Belichick. He'd be like, yeah. Belichick, we called him bad, good Bill and bad Bill, and like he was doom and gloom. He would always come in and talk for like two hours about every little thing that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of like what I'm like as a fan. I think about you know I'll be worried whenever they have their matchup. Um, but yes, like you said, it broke almost as beautifully as you could have imagined it. The one thing that I think would give me a little pause would be the Wizards if Bradley Beal is fully healthy. That's a that's not an eighth seed, you know. That's more like a four seed. Certainly better than the Knicks as they're currently playing, um, given the, the the firepower and talent there. So I get I would rank it like. At least like to play the Wizards. Hopefully they'll beat the Celtics. I think they will, by the way. Yeah, I heard Bradley Beal was limping. I didn't get to watch that game. He was like eight of twenty-seven. So I'm not sure that he's right. That's that's a huge variable to all of this. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) If he's playing with like a bad hamstring or hip, um, then this conversation changes. I don't really know. I might have to watch that tape to see Um, if they end up with that matchup. I will. After that, I would say I, I might like to. I mean, obviously, I would like to play the Hornets first. I don't know if that's obvious, but I think I think I think they would sweep the Hornets. It would yeah, be, I don't think any of the four games would be within single digits. I I would really like the Hornets, and after that, I'm a little bit torn between Indiana and the Celtics. I know that Tatum might just, you know, like he could win the scoring title next year and no one would be surprised. Um, so he, he might have like a full series where he hits all these shots and nobody should take. And he hits all of them and scores 40 and the Sixers win in five, but every game comes down to like three points. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and and all, Marcus Smart always worries me because he's always like fighting with Joel and like hovering around his knees and diving. So I wouldn't be thrilled, but I could go 50-50 on, on Pacers-Celtics. Okay. Brogdon's tough. Sabonis is tough. Justin Holiday is playing well. Um, so I think that, that one would be close. I, I feel like I'd rather the Pacers, but I'm not sure. Okay. I I think people think that, like, oh, they're, they're, they're all broken up internally. Um the idea of that sounds a lot better than the actuality of that. I think. Um, yeah. And like, like I mean, they're in it. Uh, TJ McConnell says everything's fine. Um, not that. <laughs> not that. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect them to come out and say, "Yeah, this is garbage. We're we're done." But I also, you know, I, I think when you have an entire team, say, like you know, there's all these rumors, and then this one guy comes out and says, "Yeah, we're we're, we're good." Um, you know, I, I think it. I think it says some things and not even says we're good, but says like that was, I was a disheartening story to read because I know it's not true. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's, that's a, that's a pretty 
uh, grandiose statement uh, in my mind. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I you know I agree with you. I think Wizards are a problem, not a problem, but I think they're a team that can give you some fits. Um, Sixers would would win the series, but it's the one that would worry me the most of those choices. Yeah, I think it's the type of thing where like you win game one, they win game two, maybe, and then you know you have to go to Washington, power through there, and then you come back and win it in five. Maybe maybe it goes six, but I generally think the Wizards would 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 you know would pose some problems because it isn't just Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, who is, you know, just driving a couple doubles every night. Now it's that you Davis Bertans has now found his stroke. He's now like the, the yeah. shooting gravity he has is very real. Ruby Hachimura has had a really good year. Um, and, you know, they, they have a bunch of pieces there that, 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 that are, that are, you know, painful for the Sixers in terms of getting over screens and mm. gravity and speed. And then when, when Russell goes out of the game, Guess what? You get Ish, Ish Smith coming on the court now too, who's also very good at you know. He's given us problems over the years in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's he, he's very good at you know. He's like, he's like a hot in life through butter. He can he can carve in, carve out, um, you know. And he's very he, he's he's very quick with the ball, and that poses problems with the Sixers. But I generally think that anyone they they take in the first round is going to be you know four or five games, and then go home. Um, I and hope if you're right. Yeah. If, if if it isn't, then they shouldn't be that. Then they, we shouldn't be thinking so highly of them in the first place because they're the one seed. They shouldn't have that many problems. But uh, I want to go over to the two to, to the second round now because that's where things start to get interesting. Interesting. You have the Knicks and you have the Hawks there, um, and I'm sure for you it must be interesting to see the, the have the possibility of a Knicks Sixers second round series because where you grew up, where you started, and then you know now that you've been converted to a Sixers fan things change. Uh, so I'm sure for you, you know, obviously I, I, it sounds like you want the Sixers to win that series, but you, you must have some, some, some heart in both sides, I, I would assume. Um, I might surprise you. I root pretty, pretty hard against the Knicks. Wow. Um, I, I have actually been as a Sixers fan, I've been rooting really, really hard for the Knicks, which has been, which has shaved years off the end of my life the last couple weeks, <laughs> because I wanted this, this bracket, the one we have now, I, I did not want to play the Heat. I know, uh, I know, we'll probably get to that. Um, but the, you know, the Knicks are a you know typical Tom Thibodeau, scrappy, overachieving group without a ton of talent, and you've seen it over their last handful of games. They had a signature biggest win of the season against the Clippers, which allowed this scenario to break for Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they they lost a game they should have won against the Lakers without LeBron James because like Derek Rose wouldn't box out Wes Matthews and they lost on a tip in and which took them to overtime. Right. I would love the Sixers chances. I know the Knicks play super, super hard. I know they would slow that series down to an agonizing crawl and we would hate watching it. It'd be ugly basketball, especially the way we post up and it would take Ben Simmons as he's currently used out of that series quite a bit. Um, but the Sixers would win that series, and it, they would probably look better doing it than they would beating the Wizards. Okay, yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I mean, because I, I think like the the Knicks guard game, like they're they're basically they're still starting Alfred Payton, uh, <laughs> which is awful to watch. Yeah, it's awful. He, it's, it's, I feel it's, so bad for this guy. Knicks fans are, are killing him. Tom, yeah, Tom, he, what are you doing? Yeah, he's he, he's something, man. Oh. Um, 
and then I mean Emmanuel quickly I was actually one of my like he was in the top 10 for me in my, in my mock draft and I thought I was crazy but it turns out that he's actually been quite good for them quite uh, good yeah he looks good I like him and Maxi yeah back for, sure. for sure um but they don't really have like an experienced guard there besides Derrick Rose that's really going to give the Sixers a ton of penetration well they have your boy Burks who's been playing really well Alec Burks that's yeah right. Alec Burks has been very good if uh, they were that. to just eliminate Peyton's minutes and go with one of or two of Burks, Rose, and Frank on the court the whole game, that would be a, a much better team than they are as currently constructed, currently utilized. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really, really good point. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, the the Knicks, by the way, right now, I believe they are top four in the league in points allowed in the paint per game. So, so that, so they're, they're very, they're, they're pretty airtight in the, in the paint, which I think poses a little bit of problems. Like you said, it takes Ben out of the game quite a bit because um, he's going to have a hard time getting things over Julius, getting things over Nerlens. Yeah. But Joel knows that Nerlens is too small to cover him. Yeah. Nerlens gets in foul trouble and then yeah. you're putting in, I don't think Mitchell Robinson will be ready. Broke his foot. I think it's Jones. Bell. So and then Joel has also all demolished Norvell Pell, who's on their bench too, throughout his practice career. <laughs> right. Yeah. And no, it's it, it's it's true. Um, and so yeah, I think Joel would would, would certainly pose a uh, an advantage there. But I think that Knicks team, they wear you down. They they physically they get they get they get very you know scrappy with you, just as Tibbs always does. That's his mo. Um, I I would think that series would go five. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it going six. I think I, I would have plenty to worry about once that series was set about, you know, what the Knicks might do. What if they stole game one? But while we're currently hoping for the perfect path, I see the Knicks as an important step on that path. Like I would love to, to play them. I'd love sure. to worry about that relative to um, the Wizards and Hawks. Let me ask you this. Do, do the Hawks scare you? Yeah, the Hawks have a lot of like <laughs> sneakily loaded. Tri- what? Yeah. <laughs> they scare me <laughs> yeah they i mean they're kind of loaded like lou williams trey young bogdanovich who's playing really well um kevin herter can shoot they might get hunter they might get reddish for that series right um yeah. then they've got the rooster danilo mm-hmm. and capella who who has a he'll make one of the all defensive teams who who does a good job against joel Embiid. and nate mcmillan has just like done he kind of makes our old assistant coach Lloyd Pierce look bad at this point because they've been so good under Nate. Well, so it's interesting that you say that. Um, I, I I did a little bit of digging um, recently on, on 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 that whole thing, and it turns out that the numbers um, with I can't find them right now. It's somewhere in my in my in my tweet history, and it's not worth going back in time for that, but. It's it, it it's certainly that like the numbers aren't that outrageously far off um, compared to like before the firing versus after the firing. Okay. Um, so it's you almost like have to deduce that there is a bit of an element of like luck to that. But the same yeah, you're time, probably right. But at the same, it's like here it is. It's like they they were their their point differential was like was like zero um, un, under under Lloyd Pierce. And they, their defense, it was getting it like they were giving up more points per hundred possessions by like point two, and they were scoring. So I mean, it was like barely. It was it was like you're talking about a couple possessions over the course of, of like of like their entire 34 first game docket where they fired him at their at 34 games. Whereas now 
under Nate McMillan, it's like a, a differential of plus 3.2 and 25 and 25 and 11. So there is, there's a little bit of, of luck there, I think, but I think, you know, they've been, they've generally been much better um, in terms of just cohesiveness and, 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 and um, chemistry on the court. But I, I think they have depth at the wings that the Sixers do not have. Like they sure do. Yeah. With Herter, with, uh, with, uh, with Bogdan, uh, Gallinari, and just, you know, that's just a name of a few. And Lou. So, yeah. Hunter, Lou. And then on top of that, I, I think a guy like Trey Young can give them a, a, a lot of headaches in a series where he already gives them headaches. He yeah. he's been on some really bad teams that beat the Sixers. Like they beat Jimmy Butler in the Sixers. They beat us with Horford. You know, they I feel like they go like five hundred against us over his yeah. career. Yeah. No. It, it, and it's really a lot of it is like it's him just going through pick and rolls and just like daring them to not fight through the screen or to drop. In, in a, to, to drop MB to the rim to funnel him, and he's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna pull up from 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 15. He does right. a damn good James Harden impression. Yeah. Oh he, my he can, god, he does. He he That's, can do contact with the best of them. He does. He can he can really see the whole floor. He can hit hit threes even when you're on him. I mean, not to the same degree, but he might go take one from like 10 feet further out, no problems. And then when he gets into the paint, you never know if he's gonna just stop abruptly and you foul him from behind. You know, he would pull a couple of those on Matisse where Matisse is hoping for a block from behind, and then he just sort of stops dead in his tracks, hits the brakes, and it's a shooting foul. Um, yeah, I can, I can see him being the type that would take Matisse out of a game like in the first quarter with like two or three Two or three of those quick fouls, yep, yeah. knowing, knowing the scouting report that he's coming from behind. And if not, he either hits a floater or he can lob it to Capella, just like Harden used to do. So Yeah, yeah no, it's it's. I, I think the Hawks can be problematic. That being said... Who would you pick in that series, and how many games? I I've, I think you pick Philly, but I'm curious how many games you Sixers would. Hawks. Yeah, yeah, I I would say Sixers and six. Okay, steal one so, in uh, in Georgia. So the, the thing about like the Sixers and six scenario now with them having home court throughout the playoffs, that means that they had to win the game six on the road. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they're that they're, they they've. They're credible enough to do that. I think it's going to be either five or seven. I, I look at it. I looked at it like a line, a lines maker, and thought of the same thing you just did. Like yeah. it could be five, it could be seven. So six is the safest, even though yeah, it's sure. not likely yeah. that they would close out on the road. For sure, for sure. So you are right. We are going to get to a, a, a team that's a little bit further down south than than, than the Hawks or Orlando Magic. <laughs> yes, yeah, that be them. That's right. And poor poor Steve Clifford. He goes from the Hornets to the Magic, and then now they're in a rebuild. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but Miami Heat are a team that people um, they either I think I think all Sixers fans hate them, and I and even at, like, the media I think is is very much anti Heat um, because of what it stands for in terms of like Jimmy Butler gets to. Get, gets to rub it in the face and then also the fan base is just very volatile down in Miami. Um, I was very, very happy to see the Knicks win yesterday and to see the heat lose to the bucks on sat on a, on Saturday, because basically it was, it was a prison sentence for the, for the heat because they had to go through the, the bucks now and the nets to even get a shot at the Sixers. Um, should, should after that loss to the heat or even during the loss or even before the loss, were the Heat a team that you that you were scared of? Oh yeah, I was petrified of the Heat. I mean, <laughs> the heat, you don't want to to win the one seed and then have to get stuck in a bracket with like the Wizards playing like a four seed, 
and then a six seed who went to the finals last year. That would be horrible. <laughs> um, and I know that a lot of fans look at it from a machismo perspective and, you know, no one seed should worry about anyone. I, I don't look at it that way at all. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. many, so many champions who are the one seed earned two soft matchups to begin the playoffs. And that goes a long way. Um, and the Heat do, in a lot of ways, present matchup problems. You know, there's a couple coaches who know how to and know how to and have the personnel to defend defend Joel Embiid at least as well as you can. Um, and we saw a couple games ago. I think I think what happened was Joel was battling the non-COVID flu, almost didn't play, almost didn't even fly down. Yeah. And then he saw, I forget who was officiating the game. Was it Tony Brothers and company? Yeah. He saw that they were not not going to call anything on his first two post-ups. Like, <laughs> Bam bodied him so hard, and Joel was like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights? This probably isn't worth it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a few jumpers. Um, if, they, if they were at home and it was a playoff game, you know he would have gone back to the well. For sure. He would have had to go 100%. I think he, he made a business decision there, similar to the one he made when we lost in New Orleans, he was like, okay, they're going to let Steven Adams do anything he wants to me. I'm just going to hit these mid-range shots or miss them. Um, yeah, I think he took some Tums for the game, and then he saw what was happening. It's like, ah, I'm going to – Not this one. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to go sit, drink some water on the sideline and watch. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think about Jimmy Butler. Um, he'll pull out his bag of tricks at, 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 a, at a time when he knows he can spite you. He's the type of guy that that thrives off of that. Like I, I, I want to to rub it in your face and spite you, type of type of star. Like he doesn't shoot jumpers all season except for a couple of mid rangers and here and there. All of a sudden, he's pumping in four threes against the Sixers, and it's it was just a, it's like the biggest fu after he refused to shoot him for a month when he was a Sixer. Yeah. Now, like I'm gonna pump in four on you. In the yeah, three he had some beef with Brett Brown, and now years later, he's Clay Thompson against us forever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh, that that team would have would have had me watching a lot of film to try to figure things out for them, and I I think fans fans can can, can act all macho like it's it's you know the, the one seed yeah no and, thanks and, and 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 you know we have this and we have that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are, are, are two of the best and and their record they are where they they are this low because of COVID and a bunch of injuries but. They are a very tough out in a seven-game series. I actually probably would have picked the Heat if the Sixers played them in the second round. Yeah, it would have been. I it would have been a seven-game series, I think, or a six-game series. And you know, if they if they were facing a closeout game in Miami, I wouldn't feel good at all. I think I would pick us to win in seven. But either way, it's it's close to a coin flip type of series uh, if everyone's healthy. Yeah, for for sure. Um, so, so I'm so glad that the Bucks wanted to win that game and that the Knicks were able to beat the um, Cambridge Cannons out of Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, real quick before I let you go, um, I, I, I'm curious, like when you when you watch the Nets and the Bucks, I mean, I know the, I know the Bucks won the season series. Um, Nets didn't have Harden, I think, for two of those games. And then I'm not sure if Kevin Durant played in the first game in Brooklyn or not, but I, I know they were shorthanded the last two, and that's why Milwaukee won. Um, but I'm I'm guessing you'd pick Brooklyn in that series. Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand. Like, I feel like all season long there's been someone 
spouting some sort of narrative that things are not going to work for these nets. They're they're not all into basketball. There's only one ball to go around. Some you know, Kyrie's crazy. <laughs> these guys are jerks. They're going to party. No, no, no. This is by far the most talented team in the NBA, and they've been good enough to beat almost anyone with two of their big three. Can you imagine if they were fully loaded for a playoff series? No, thanks. Yeah, I would. Um, I would love to see the Nets and the Bucks just beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, seven games and, and the Bucks win. That would be a dream. Seven games. It goes triple overtime every game. You have like you have like like Jokic esque like exhaustion from 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 everyone and yep. on both sides where they're you know they're, they're like missing free throws a little bit short at the end because their 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 legs are so gone. Um, who? So I'm assuming you would pick the the Nets in a series over the Sixers of the Conference Finals. I would. Okay, I would pick Nets in five. You think they just might boat race the Sixers? They yeah, they could they could go sixteen and four over these entire playoffs, and I wouldn't blink. Who the Sixers or the Nets? The Nets. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like I mean, I'm guessing you go five or seven with the Nets. Um, see, it's difficult to bake in like because you can't just grant them full health, right? Right. So if you were to play the odds, you'd say there's a better than fifty percent chance that at least one of their big three is not quite right for any any particular series or game. Right. Um, so I think it's it's not safe to say five because there's a good chance one of them is going to be, you know, a little bit balky. But, yeah, if they're 100%, I, I agree with you. It could be like five. It could get really ugly. <laughs> there, there's just an unprecedented level of three top, like, t- seven offensive players on one team. Three right. top, Maybe three top five offensive players on one team. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about it like, first of all, for all we know, the Nets could have very easily been healthy all season long and just like having like like practice scrimmages just to stay in shape, but we're generally just acting a fool. And the the hard the hard injury has been legit. Um, he's such a gamer; he always wants to play, and they've been pretty open about that. But they were they were conservative with Durant's hamstring. I, I think he took plenty of extra time just given his the severity of his injuries for sure so with the bucks it sounds like you're kind of confident with the bucks that the sixers would win yeah it's not so much that i'm confident i think it would be a 50 50 type of series it's just that we kind of know what they are we know their ceiling they're a really really good team they could absolutely win the title um drew holiday gives them another dimension and they could go into philly and steal game one and then just close this out in six even though like two of those games go to overtime. Um, you saw it when they battled the Raptors, who ended up winning the title. Like there was like a double overtime game. That series was really close. Um, I do think the Sixers would have a good chance. Home court there would be absolutely monumental, and I love their chances. It's kind of the the known, the known, the devil you know. Like I, I don't think the Bucks have quite that ceiling that the Nets potentially do. Okay. So last thing then, who are you picking out West? Because I gave my prediction. I think I'm. I think I, I gave it a couple of weeks ago. I think I might be a little premature, so I'm like sweating it a little bit. I went with the Suns. Oh, I like that. I, I love the Suns. I think they have like the perfect bit of like versatility mixed in with size, and then they have like the like you couldn't ask for a be- a better veteran leader at point guard. 
and they have a young superstar they can go to whenever they need to. I I, I am all in and sold on the Suns. I like that. I, I would enjoy that finals very much. I know the Sixers would not have home court, but um, I, would, I would love their chances. Um, I would I pick the Clippers. Okay. Um, Clippers Nets have been sort of my pick ever since probably like January February when Harden went to the to the Nets, um, and I do think they're the odds-on favorite per Vegas now. They're in the four-five slot, so they got a decent road. They they've got they got to beat the Mavericks, and then they have to beat the winner of jazz warriors or jazz lakers so they could end up with the with the lakers which would be tough but if the lakers beat the warriors then they'd have a much nicer bracket they'd have to beat your sons and then they'd have to play like either the trailblazers or the nuggets that's right uh dave where can they find you find me on on twitter dave early or is it david early I think it's David Early. <laughs> <laughs> um, David Early, like early morning on Twitter, uh, read my work at Liberty Ballers. And I have a, I host a podcast called No Particular Hurry. There we go. Dave Early, thanks so much for joining, man. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And, and keep up the great stuff. I, I love following you. Congratulations on wrapping up a full season of coverage. It's been really great to have have you on the beat. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's always it's always warming to hear somebody appreciate. It kind of validates that the, the late nights where I'm thinking there, like, why the hell am I writing this story on on like for Concord Mazza one in the morning? And then you know, <laughs> I I pretty much have everyone who I think is good on like notifications on my phone, so I see a lot of your, uh, you know, everything from an injury report to a hot take. Th- thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> take care, Dave. Yeah, take care.